I am so glad you're here with us today. Thank you for choosing to be with us as we uh, work on really a challenging subject, this subject called selfless, which is what Jesus calls us to if we want to follow him. It's going to look a little bit less like serving ourselves and a little bit more like it's all about him. And so it's a challenging subject every week. We've been in it four weeks. This is our fourth week and I'm really excited about today. I hope you'll enjoy this as well. I have a really sweet job. I really do. And uh, even in my really sweet job, there are times when I feel like every day is a grind. You ever feel that? Even with a sweet job, it feels like, you know, life is just so daily. Right? You ever feel that? All right, we're going to look at the topic, gratitude in the grind today. Gratitude in the grind. If you'll bring that up for me, that'll help. Not that one. (laughs) All right, now... Here's the thing about gratitude in the grind. We, I don't know if you're this way, but we tend to, while we're feeling that grind, we we tend to think like this. Oh, if I can just get past this problem, if I can just get past this project, if I can just get past this challenge, or for some people, if I can just get past this week and get into the weekend, right? (laughs) Maybe at your work, that's kind of where you are. If I can just get past this, and and my, my, my week is pretty... It builds up to a week, and then I kind of reboot, builds up to a week. But there's all these other projects and challenges and different things that come in there that are like, uh, I, I used to say frequently, and I kind of still do sometimes, people who know me really well, though, when I say, if I could just get past this problem, this project, this challenge, this thing, then next week will be better. They say, no, it won't. <laughs> because they know that there's another problem, another challenge, another thing. It just, it's that daily thing. It just keeps coming at us, all right? So today we're talking about this as a focus. The focus is real life can be found in the middle of today's grind. Real life can be found in the middle of today's grind. Now, here's the thing. When life is really, really tough, um, Maybe your work is like that too. If I can just get past this, just get past this. It's not just work, okay? Let's just go to family. In family settings, let's go pre-family. I just can't wait. Life will be so amazing when we finally get married. It's so wonderful. And then you get married. You know, I can't wait till we have a kid. It'll be so amazing when we finally have a kid. I can't wait for that. And then you say, life will, will be so great when we're finally out of diapers, Right? And then you're finally out of diapers. Life will be so great when we're finally out of diapers. Right? And you have another one, another one. Life will be so great when finally the kids are in school. Right? And then they get through school. It'll be so great when they're out of the house. And then you say, oh, it'll be so great when they're finished college. Right? And it just keeps going and going. I can't wait till they get married. I can't wait till they have children. Yeah? I mean, wait a minute, are you seeing the pattern here? If we just always can't wait, it'll be, always be amazing someday, we're really missing out today. And so we gotta figure out, in the middle of all that stuff that's real life, why do we get disillusioned with 
today. And we live with the illusion that it'll be real life is tomorrow. Real life is the weekend. Real life is next week. Real life is another season. Real, I can't wait till I have real life. Today is real life. Today's the day that we need to figure out how to be grateful in the middle of the grind. And that's what we're talking about. Now, the challenge is when we have the diapers and we have the problems and we have the challenges and the pressures are mounting, the problem is the world tells us right then and there what you need to do is treat yourself. That's what the world says. Treat yourself. And we go, yeah, that'll help. That's what I want to do. It's tough. I'm going to go treat myself. But then we compare it with what Jesus says, and Jesus says, no, you need to deny yourself. Right? That's the verse we've been looking at. We're in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. We looked at it every week for four weeks. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny yourself. Selfless take up their cross and follow me. Now we're going to begin with a question that goes like this. And this is not a question for you to answer for your spouse. This is a question for you to answer for you. When life seems like a daily grind, how do you aim for a life that is meaningful? Multiple choice question. Ready? One, by serving self. Don't answer it out loud. Two, by serving others. Three, by serving God. Do, 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 do. So we got this question out there just to get your juices flowing. Where do you go to, you're trying to make life more meaningful. The stuff's tough. It feels like a grind and it's just every day. And now what do you do to get a little bit more meaning to have the life that you really are looking for, the life that you're wanting to live? Which direction do you go to have this significance, to have this meaning, this sense of yes, this is what it is about. So with that question in mind, what we're going to do now is go one more statement of Jesus just after the statement that we've been focusing on for the last four weeks. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. For whoever, now check this out, makes my mind do flip-flops. What? He's going, what? Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it, okay? Initially, you might think, well, he's saying, man, I gotta be ready to die for him. And that's true. If I'm ready to die for him, that I love him that much, he died for me and I'm ready to take up a cross, I'm gonna, to the death, man, I'll be a martyr if that's what it comes to. You know, somebody comes into a machine gun and says, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, shoot me. You know, that's what it seems like he's talking about. But no, 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 we're talking about real life every day. And your approach to how do you find yourself? Maybe you've been to a graduation recently, and there's lots of graduation speeches that go like this. Go, go, go. Find your passion. Don't settle for less. Live out your passion and make a difference in the world. And then everybody goes off, and they don't know what their passion is, and they don't work. It's like, I don't know what my passion is. Uh, They try this. This will be my passion. No, this is not my passion. This is a grind. This will be my passion. No, this is not my passion. This is a drag. This will be my passion. No, that's not my passion. I don't like that. So you move back in with your parents. (laughs) 
The problem with that kind of thinking is you're busy trying to find yourself. What is my passion? And the way to find yourself is not by serving yourself to figure out your passion. You may discover as you pull off the layers, who am I? And you pull off another layer, who am I? If you keep pulling off the layers, you find out I'm nothing but an onion. There's nothing left. Okay, so that was dumb. All right, you pull off all the layers of trying to figure out who I am. If you're approaching it from me first, you will not find who you have been designed to be. What if God designed you? And what if the only way that you function best is if you aren't first in your life, but he is? If that is the way he designed you, then here's a sweet spot. Okay, forget myself. Because I'm going to, if I try to find myself, I will lose myself. But if I don't try to find myself, but I, it's all about God, all about Jesus, deny myself, pick up the cross, and serve God in a bigger purpose, and then I discover, like Jesus did, I do what the Father wants me to do. I'm pleasing the Father, and he wants me to serve you. I'm serving you and you and you, and as he serves others, he's filled with the joy of seeing the grace of God flow through him and touching people's lives. And he's in this sweet spot of he's living on purpose in this calling and extraordinary things are taking place through his life. That is what Jesus is describing. You wanna follow me? Don't try to find yourself. You wanna follow me? Set yourself aside, focus on a big God and God's big purpose for you. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to rankle some of you. I am really in the sweet spot because I'm in a calling, and I'm trying to serve God, and he calls me to serve other people, and I get to watch people change, and I've discovered that God is using me in ways that he's designed me for. That's kind of fun. (laughs) And here's where you're going to go, really? Every single one of you is already called by God right now, today, in the place he has called you. You each have a calling, just like me. And Paul gets into, how does this work? How do I forget myself to find myself? How do I make it so it's not about me, and then I discover it's a sweet spot where I am energized and self-actualized in a completely upside-down, opposite-than-I-thought way. How do I do this? And he puts it really really simply. When he wrote to the church in Corinth, he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. All right? So here's your calling. Simply put, each one of you, every day you do whatever, right? Come on. Whatever you do. How many of you don't have a whatever you do? Every one of you has a whatever you do each day. Now, every one of you sort of related to me that sometimes that whatever you do is a grind. Whatever you do, whenever it is a grind, here's how you get out of that feeling like it's not meaningful. This is real life. And here's how you suddenly experience this is real life and it's meaningful and he has called you to this as you flip it. You flip it by doing whatever it is that you do and you do it all for the glory of God. By the way, if whatever it is that you do, you can't do it for the glory of God, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Because if you can't do that thing for the glory of God, then something's off. 
But if you can do it for the glory of God, that's your calling, at least right now, until God calls you into another whatever, okay? This is big, really big. Point number one, to receive the full effect of grace. Now, we're going to keep kind of building on that, to receive the full effect of grace. But let me just ask, how many of you would like to receive the full effect of grace? How many of you have already received the full effect of grace? All right, well, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. All right, so the full effect of grace. A lot of us in the church all across the globe automatically assume the full effect of grace is this. I'm a sinner, and I'm saved by grace. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, my sins are forgiven. Hoo-hoo, and I get to go to heaven. I have the full effect of being saved by grace. Yahoo, and I'm going to heaven. Tell you what, you got just a piece of the effect of grace. That's a small measure of the effect of grace. The full effect of the measure of grace, here's the thing. Jesus used more grace than that. He was not a sinner. Every day, he was just just absorbing the rocket fuel of grace flowing through him, and he's just blasting off with all the power of God in all the circumstances where there is more than a human frame can do, but he's doing it through the rocket fuel of grace, empowering a human body to touch lives, love in God's name, and do things by the power of grace. We need to get a tap into the rocket fuel where we are, and we're sinners, totally transformed, and look like Jesus and taking in rocket fuel of grace every day to live out a purpose and a meaning that's touching eternity and making differences, okay? This is a calling, and every one of us is called to it, all right? That's how God has designed us to function well. To get at this full effect of grace, we're gonna go back to the letter to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 9 through 10, Paul wrote... For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. A little bit about Paul, just in case you didn't know. The reason he says that is he used to hate Christianity. He hated the movement. He hated Christ. He hated everybody following Christ because he felt like it was a threat to Judaism. He was an expert in Judaism, and he thought this was undermining all of Judaism. Then he met the resurrected Jesus. Everything changed. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, I've been totally transformed by grace. I am what I am, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I don't deserve it, but that's what I am. Sent by Jesus with a huge calling. And then he continues. And his grace to me was not without effect. There's where I get, hey, how many of you like to have the full effect of grace? His grace to me was not without effect. He says, I have been radically transformed. I used to have all my papers, my accolades, my degrees, that stuff's rubbish as far as I'm concerned. It's all about Jesus, less about me, Paul is talking. And he says, this is a whole new way of living, and I can't wait for each day because God and his power is transforming lives. I've seen it every day. I see it taking place in all the lives around me. It is amazing. Then he says some odd things. His grace to me was not without effect. Before we move on, I don't want some of you to feel bad. It's like, oh, I was just glad I was going to heaven. My life's a mess. I'm so glad to be forgiven. I don't know how to fix the mess. Well, you've come to the right place. You've come at the right time because grace is here today and grace is there not just for forgiveness and it's yours for the asking, but it's also there to transform you. So be encouraged and don't settle short. 
of transformation and becoming more like Jesus. And then he starts talking about some strange stuff. No, I worked harder than all of them. Wait a minute. I thought grace was not by works that any man should boast. And he's, doesn't that sound like boasting? No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I. Now he's going, he says some strange things. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So which is it? Was it you're working really hard or was it the grace of God with you? Which is it? Paul says, yep. It, it, that's how it works. What he's not saying is, when it says, I worked harder than all of them, he's not saying this, I tried harder than everybody, okay? He's not saying that. In fact, that's the way a lot of Christians live. They just try and try, and it's so frustrating. They hear a great message, I'm gonna try that this week. I'm gonna try that. And it's more like a New Year's resolution the last two weeks it isn't grace, it isn't rocket fuel, it's just self-effort, it's just self-help. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? When he says, I worked harder than everybody else, he's not talking about trying harder. He's talking about training in the grace. And as he trains in the grace, then he can say, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Let me describe that a little bit. If I tried to run a marathon tomorrow, hmm, how do you think I'd do? Let me just tell you, I haven't been running, okay? So I haven't been training, so if I tried to run a marathon tomorrow, it's not gonna go well. You may not see me walking, okay? If I tried to play the piano, you'd say, oh, 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 that's enough, don't try that anymore, okay? Because I haven't had any training, right? So if I, ah, I'm gonna try to speak some French right now, because I took French in high school. Whoa, that's, uh, that, Way long ago, I haven't trained since then. I wasn't good then, all right? I don't speak French, right? So it requires training. Now, here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. You can't be saved with the mentality that I'm going to earn my way into heaven. I'm going to earn God's approval. I'm going to earn God's favor. You can't, that, that, it's a gift. Grace is a gift, okay? But this gift is something we train in. We train ourselves in receiving more and more and more of this gift that comes from God called grace, and that's what we want to talk about. Point number two, Paul talks about it some more, and so jot this down as we take a look at what he says. Work out what God works in. Work out what God works works in. Let's see these phrases as Paul uses them in Philippians chapter 2. Here's what we read. Chapter 2, 12 and 13. Same guy. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That almost sounds like heresy if you don't know what he's talking about. But if you keep reading, you realize he's not talking heresy. Heresy sounds like this. How do you get to heaven? Well, I work really hard so that I'm better than everybody else so that God has to approve of me and I get into heaven because I'm so good. That is heresy, okay? The New Testament is very clear. Through and through, you can't get to heaven by being good on your own. You can't work your way up. You can't climb a ladder. You can't be good enough. That's why Jesus had to die. And he gives you righteousness, his righteousness. He covers over you by his gift from the cross that you keep coming to and receiving grace. So what does it look like to work out your salvation? Well, watch what does he continue. Continue, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you 
to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So what does that workout look like? And what does that work in look like? Okay? You got to watch me for this because it's a visual with my hands. Ready? I'm going to give you a word. It's the word kink. Not kink. Try that again. It's the word disciple. Okay? Got that word? Watch this visual. We're going to add a little piece to the root word disciple. Ready? Watch. Discipline. Did you see that? Discipline comes from the word disciple. A disciple is a follower learner of Jesus. How do you follow and learn from Jesus? You have to become disciplined because you're a disciple. And what are you being disciplined in? You're training in the grace and the means to get more and more grace in your life. It looks like waking up earlier. It looks like spending time with God. It looks like reading, studying, praying. And as you're receiving more and more from your meetings with God, it, you're working out. You're training, but it's all God working in as you're coming together in this joint venture called the covenant where he doesn't do it all for you. He says, will you join me in a joint venture? I love you. Will you be mine? So you come together, and in coming together with him, here's what it looks like, discipline. And as you work hard in this training, more and more grace is able to fill you and use that training to do supernatural things that God is working into you. You begin to want to do the very things you're training for. You didn't want to before. That's how it's different than a New Year's resolution and trying harder. You now want to say no to the things that were self-destructive as you were self-focused. And then not only do you you, he works you to will and to act. He gives you an ability to now pull it off. This is how grace works, working out what he works in. How much of this is new to you? This is profound stuff. What does your daily discipline look like to experience more gratitude in the grind? By the way, tidbit, where is Paul when he writes this? prison. Talk about a grind. Oh, what am I going to get up and do today? Oh, that's right. I'm in prison. Oh, what are we going to do today? Oh, that's right. I'm chained to the guard. Now, he could wallow and wait. Oh, God, would you please get me out of here? But he doesn't. Read Philippians. Great homework assignment for today. Read Philippians, the most joy-filled, rejoicing letter of the entire New Testament written from a guy that doesn't know whether he's going to live or die, and he's in prison. He says, rejoice always. And he said, this is so great, this is so great. I'm chained to these guards every day and they keep changing out the guards and every one of them, they hear the gospel and they're all coming to know the Lord. Right in Philippians, he says, the whole Praetorian guard, they're starting to preach. I've got an entourage of preachers just because I'm here. Isn't it great? Isn't it grand? I love it here. There's gratitude in the grind. If Paul can do this in his prison, you can do it at your work with that boss and the assignments he keeps giving you and the chains, right? That's a grind you feel, right? If Paul can do it there, you can do whatever you do. Do it for the glory of God. Now you're flipping it into a category of significance and meaning and calling and you're beginning to see, I prayed for my boss. Oh, 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 something's changing. Not at first, they don't see it in you much. It takes a while. And then you start to have, you care for the boss you used to hate. And this thing starts to grow on you. 
whoa, this is amazing how this workout works. All right? Point number three. Training in grace defeats temptation. All right, we're going to talk about some pictures on the screen here. The first A on your outline is pillow. It represents comfort. Here's a temptation. All right? Oh, man, this is so tough. Life is such a grind. If I only had a better house, then I could be happy. Oh, man, life's so tough. If I only had a better boss, then I could be happy. If I had a different job and better income, then I could be happy. If I just had more and more, then it would be easier. If I didn't have this illness, finally I could enjoy whatever, whatever, right? We are always looking for, if I could just get more comfort, just a pillow, just a little bit more comfort, then it wouldn't be such a grind. God is not calling us to easy. Easy does not change the world. Jesus says, I gave my life to you. That was not easy. I shed my blood for you. That was not easy. If you want to be my disciple, you will be like me. Deny yourself Pick up your cross and follow me. It's not easy. There's training in there and there's grace in there. Look at the grind and find gratitude in your whatever, wherever you are, okay? This is tough stuff, but the pillow is gonna cry out to you, what do I need to be happy? B, shiny things. How many of you still, I mean, literally, this week, you still put a CD in a CD player? I mean, a real CD in a CD player. All right, one, two, three, four, five. All right. I remember when the CD was a shiny thing. I was enjoying my Walkman with a cassette deck and walking and enjoying music. And then, they, and then I hear about the CD and the Walkman shape changed from this to this. You know, it's like, oh, wow, I totally missed the Walkman to CD thing because uh, I'm slow. The iPod came out. So a decade after the iPod came out, I finally got one. It's like a whole new changing world. And we have this digital world that's so rapidly changing. We're always wanting the new, next, shiny thing. I totally miss Blu-ray. Did anybody else miss Blu-ray? I mean, when Blu-ray was coming in, everybody's ranting and raving about HD. Well, my TV couldn't handle HD. Well, anyway, HD was like, whoa, and so I didn't get a Blu-ray. And then, wow, now we can stream HD. It's like video on demand. Then Netflix comes out. It's like I can binge on the stuff I want to watch. It's like, and every time I finish something, there's like another one that says 98% 98 chance you're going to like this. You know what I've discovered? They're like 98% wrong. It's like, but still, I try. It's like, oh, wow. All right, here's the point. Every shiny thing is a distraction, and they're not bad distractions. We fill our lives with so many distractions good distractions that we're having trouble doing anything that is significant. Ding! Oh, I wonder who's Facebooking and what they have to say. And we're just buried in insignificant screen time. Have very little to do with significance. People are eternal, screens are not. Right? And now we're struggling with significance. Our schedules get overloaded. And we take our kids to dance and music and soccer and all of them. Well, I got to get my kid in soccer, tournament soccer. That's why, that's why I miss his church. 
you know, that's how he's going to get a scholarship. And that's how we're going to pay for college. He's three. <laughs> All right. So choose, choose what's best and aim for that. Shiny things are sometimes calling us away for distractions. C is the towel. Now, remember two weeks ago, if you were here, I laid a towel over my my arm here, and the towel represented Jesus who took up a towel and served. Now we're going to take this same towel and go in a different direction. That same towel is a temptation, and the temptation is to throw in the towel. You heard that expression? Throw in the towel. That means quit. I'm going to throw in the towel. It comes from the fighting ring. That same towel that's used to wipe off the blood and the sweat, the team in the corner can sometimes decide to throw in the towel and the judge sees it. Oh, we call it off. It's over. We, we concede. We're not fighting anymore. He's going to die if he keeps fighting. We're throwing in the towel. I quit. And sometimes it's thrown in when really the person who quit was winning. That happens. And here's our temptation. We're serving. All right, we'll try it. We heard two weeks ago, I'm going to serve. I'm going to sign up to serve. And you served two weeks. <laughs> Nobody said thank you. I quit. <laughs> Forget it. Nobody appreciates it at all. And Jesus said, you weren't listening. I took up the towel and I washed Judas's feet. Did I quit when he betrayed me with a kiss? Or did I keep going? The one that I served... He kept going. And so that same towel, instead of throwing it in, we take the towel and we wipe off the sweat, we wipe off the blood and keep going. The temptation is we get married and we were in love and then we're not in love and we want to throw in the towel. That's not the same anymore. He's changed. She's changed. Nothing's changed. You're just no longer in love, right? (laughs) And now it's work. You wipe off the sweat of your brow, and now you have to work at it, right? And here's some shock value. Sometimes in counseling, I've literally had to go to this place. We're counseling a married couple, and it's really, really tense. It's like they hate each other. And I say, okay, here's my advice to you. Jesus said, love your enemies. Start there. (laughs) Right? You're not off the hook. You don't just say, I quit. Okay, so you have an enemy. He still says, love your enemy. What you're busy trying to do instead of loving your enemies, you're trying to change your enemy. And if you just start loving your enemy and change yourself, it starts to change. Okay, so don't throw in the towel. Some of you feel like that's weird advice because you haven't been there where you're married to your enemy. Some of you have. We do have the responsibility and the joy of seeing the small, grinding, mundane thing suddenly change before our eyes. Where we sign up for a serving thing, and it's just every week kind of, I'm just, you know, they need it, so I'm going to do it. Maybe you fill up coffee, and you push trays of cookies out in the welcome counter and you think, okay, it makes a difference and you don't really think of it. It's just like, okay, I got to get up a little early and got to do this. No big deal. I'll do this. But then it hits you as you're watching the hallway. There's like this buzz in the hallway and it's not the coffee. The buzz in the hallway is everybody stopping, slowing down, actually talking, connecting, encouraging. And then somebody new comes in and said, wow, 
This is kind of a neat thing that I'm seeing here. All because somebody serves coffee, cookies, slows everything down. Somebody else is serving in the nursery. This kid is crying. It's terrible. You can't get this kid to stop crying. You're, you're thinking about calling in the mom because he can't, and you can do that, but you're going, ah, she's hearing the gospel. I'm going to, and you, you say, you know what? I'm going to start praying for this kid, and you start praying for this kid, and loving this kid with prayer, and all of a sudden you go, wow, this was a battle. This kid is responding. God is answering my prayers. And you discover that the mom heard the gospel, wasn't called out, and you, by the way, if you need to call out, that's fine. Um, But all of a sudden you see that this was very meaningful, and then you're developing a relationship with this child. And this, over time, this child is comfortable with you. This is meaningful. All right, you're a small group leader in middle school. Man, they're squirrely. And you're a small group leader in middle school, and you're thinking, they're just not paying attention, and nothing's happening, and it's not meaningful. But over time, suddenly, there's a connection. They come to you with this thing. It's like, whoa, they trust me enough to tell me that. Wow. You are in the zone. You did something out of love for God, and you served, and now you're making a difference in that person, and you're finding out that I have value here as I serve. You're discovering something about yourself. You get up, and you take your kids to school, and man, they're loud in the car. Guess what? The Holy Spirit is in you. Jesus is sitting next to you. Every moment in exchange in that car is building a life. You walk into a room at work, and work is tense. God walked in with you. You can be a climate changer. Do you see that this is the day that the Lord has made, and he has something for you in your calling in the middle of your grind? I have a prayer that I would like us to pray. I want to read it for us first and have you consider it. Dear God, I am absolutely amazed that you want an everyday relationship with me. What a privilege it is to live with you and for you. I want to honor you in the mundane and in the grind. Please renew me and restore me by your spirit so that I can keep my focus on you, especially when I feel like giving up. Lord Jesus, give me joy in following you and serving others as you served us, becoming for us the servant of all. In your name and for your honor, amen. Stand with me. I don't know if you have the faith to pray this, but if you just pray it and you don't engage any faith, you're just reading. I don't, I'm not really interested in you just reading. If you have the faith to see if God will help you to bring significance to the middle of your grind, I want you to pray this out and to see if today changes, tomorrow changes. Look for God so that you live for God in these everyday moments and see what happens. Join me in this prayer. Ready? Out loud. Dear God, I am absolutely amazed that you want an everyday relationship with me. What a privilege it is to live with you and for you. I want to honor you in the mundane and in the grind. Please renew me and restore me by your spirit so that I can keep my focus on you, especially when I feel like giving up. Lord Jesus, give me joy in following you 
and serving others as you served us, becoming for us the servant of all. In your name and for your honor, amen. Okay, just a warning. When you, when you try Jesus, when you try God, you said, I tried that. I, I got up. I prayed. I, I read the Bible. I signed up. I served. And when nobody's appreciating you and nothing seems to happen, don't go throw in the towel. It takes time. That's called training. Okay? So you're in for the training to see it happen over time. Hope you'll consider doing that to see God at work as you go into the training of the discipline of a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you about next week. I'm excited about it. We're going to be looking at a series called The Vow. For all of you who are married, perfect. For all of you who are happily married, perfect. For all of you who wish you weren't married, perfect. For all of you who have hurting from your marriage, perfect. For all of you who are single and think someday you might get married, perfect. If you're a widow or a widower, still perfect. I'm trying to get this to get into us. It's the relationship principles, the concepts that I think will help us in every relationship. I hope to see you back next week for the vow. If you're a guest today, remember, we want you to fill out a card, go across the hallway. We have a gift, gift for you. If you have a burden today, walk over to the prayer team to the side of the stage. We'd love to pray for you. I want to see you next week. God bless. Have a great day.